0: back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta. And my, oh my, are we here with a very, very special guest. He has been in the big leagues for 13 years on nine different teams. He was a member of the 2016 Toronto Blue Jays wagon. And now he is a relief pitcher for the Texas Rangers. It is my pleasure to welcome Jesse Chavez to the Officially Unofficial podcast. What is up, Jesse?
1: What's going on? Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: How about that for an intro? Let's go right into that. How how electric was that? <laughs> <laughs> you just you just I mean I don't have you ever got an intro like that before? Uh, no, not at all. There it is. We're bre- we're breaking barriers here. So let's get right into it, man. I, I I we have so much to talk about here. Let's go into your rookie season. All right, two thousand and eight oh. with the Pittsburgh Pirates. What was your debut like, my man? Because you were a former first round draft pick, I believe, which I forgot to mention. Humble brag. So what was that debut like for you?
1: Uh, a, a blur, um, didn't, didn't expect it, I just gave up a walk off the night before to Johnny Gomes who was making a rehab assignment and then after me and my buddies usually do our normal getaway day routine, we just sit in the clubhouse, have some drinks and then next thing you know I'm getting a call, um, but I was like all my stuff's going back to Indianapolis, I don't have a glove, cleats, nothing. So I made my debut and nothing that I owned <laughs> the next.
0: <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. So you made a debut and you weren't even using your glove, cleats, none of that stuff?
1: No. They gave uh, a – at that time, they get, there was somebody that did a – it was like a, a painting uh, on an easel. Yeah. On a canvas. And it was like a digital shot, but it, it was painted. And you, I have it at home and you look, it's Matt Capps' glove. I'm wearing Nate McLeod's cleats. And then fresh under stuff. It's-
0: <laughs> Dude, and that goes to show, man, like how much the game of baseball has changed. Because think about this, right? I mean, like you said, back in the day, after a game, you guys are just cranking beers in the locker room. That would never happen nowadays, right? Or am I wrong on that? Um,
1: it happens still, but not as, not as often as it did before, just based on social media, you know.
0: Yeah. No, for sure, man. It's just it's kind of crazy uh looking into that, like you said on your debut. You didn't even have any of your stuff. So where were you when you got the call? And how did they break the news to you? Was it just a random phone call like out of nowhere? Or did you kind of have a hunch because you were carving that I'm gonna be a, I'm to make my debut sooner and later here?
1: Um, we're in Durham. We were in my buddy's room, TJ Bean at the time. And Next thing you know, it was, all right, my phone's ringing. They're like, I was like, it's a Pittsburgh number. They're like, oh, you're getting called up before I even answered it. And because a lot of guys in the room already had had been up to the big leagues at that point, And they're like, you're going to the big leagues. I was like, no, I'm not. Whatever. So I answered it. Manager's like, what are you doing? It was Trent, Trent Jewett. And I was like, I'm sitting in and you should be sleeping. You're going to the big leagues. I was like, <laughs> wife didn't believe me. Um, it was it was kind of kind of a weird situation that happened, and then it's twelve forty-five, one o'clock in the morning. Like he go, obviously, it's like, well, what are you doing up? I'm like, well, shit, we got a plane to catch in thirty-five in an hour. So it was kind of weird that I didn't have any of my equipment, um, the timing of the call, and then obviously it was the day game too the next day
0: what would you say because you've been like I said you've been in the big leagues for a pretty long time not a big deal humble brag what would you say is the biggest difference for you just back in the day compared to now is it is it how the is it how people kind of approach their starts or how people prepare prepare for games or is it just all this analytics stuff going into the game now
1: oh there's so many meetings now it's, <laughs> um it kind of does the guys a disservice? We talk about it all the time. I mean, shit, we talked about it the other day. Um, <laughs> it kind of does the guy a disservice of all the hard work he puts in off season and of what he wants to get done for the season, and then it gets thrown by the wayside because somebody upstairs sends down a piece of paper and says, "Do this." Well, then you weren't with him all off season that he what he was working on or or stuff like that. That that kind of bothers me the most is a guy that just sends down a piece of paper and says, "Do this." Well, you don't know what I worked on all off season. You can hear what what the coach says based on our communication, and then you guys have a meeting and you hear it. But until you see it, like my biggest thing is I want to see somebody throw a baseball before they tell me what to do. That, that's <laughs> like if you throw a baseball and you tell me what to do, then I'll, I'll I'll take it into consideration. But if you can't throw a baseball, I don't want to hear anything. That's so how I look.
0: So you're basically with that thought process that I'm like. So for me, a little bit background on me: I hit 186 in JUCO. It was one of the worst hitters in the nation. I was the Fall American. uh, and I don't give tips to people, big leaguers, on how they hit. I'm not tweeting, at, let's just say Marcus Stroman, saying, here, you got to locate your fastball because, first of all, I've never hit over 85 miles an hour. So your thought process here is, is like, listen, if you haven't done it at the big league level, who are you to tell me how to do stuff based off of what you look on video? Is that what you're saying?
1: No, not at the big league level, no. It, it, it just kind of does – you don't give any pitcher credit anymore for yeah. the hard work to do anymore. That's kind of what I'm saying – it doesn't do the pitcher a service when you tell him what to do. Like what, if a guy's throwing 98, where are you going to have him throw sliders to get ahead?
0: Yeah. Okay. He's not, no, that, that makes he's sense.
1: Gonna, okay. Know, so, elbow in a couple years.
0: So, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because I, you definitely see nowadays a lot of pitchers throwing more off-speed and they're, like, preaching off-speed, off-speed, off-speed when specifically a guy like we've had on the podcast, Nate Pearson, who just throws gas, like who can locate his <laughs> fastball. You don't want a guy like that throwing a first-pitch slider to get ahead in the count when his fastball can blow by a majority of the league. Is that what you are You kind of mean?
1: Yeah, trust it. I mean, I'm throwing 90 and I don't care. Just believe, as long as you believe your nineties, is 100 – or you're eighty nine or ninety five is hundred. As long as you believe in that when you get on there, that's all that matters. Okay. It doesn't matter what what the the radar gun says at the at the time. It just matters how much how much conviction you got.
0: There, you're you make me want to run through a brick wall for you. I'll be honest, you're you're pumping me up right now, man. I love it. I love that kind of attitude. We need to we need to vouch for you to become a major league manager when you get out of the league. Whenever that happens. And the, um, next I, thing, the next thing I want to talk about, man, is this is something that – this is the kind of guy that fires me up. You played with this guy. He's a Hall of Famer, a legend in Atlanta. You played with Chipper Jones, man. What was that like? That guy is a freak.
1: It was unreal. Um, so one of the coaches the other day actually asked me, you got wh- – where's your best places you came through? And I was like, there's there's three that that kind of gave me different upbringing, so to speak. So that team in Atlanta in 2010 – I owe them a lot of what molded me into becoming a big leaguer. Um, Not to say what happened the year in my first years in Pittsburgh, but that year in 2010, the veterans that were there, and you said it chipper, just watching how they go about their business, which what made them a Hall of Famer um, day in and day out, what it takes. I mean, whatever your body gives you that day, you got to use it to your best ability because you're not going to feel great every single day. Um, Show up to the yard every single day, try and win the series. Can't win the series. Can't win the series unless you win today. Just deeper thoughts that I already was thinking, but the way they explained it to me was so much easier to to process after that that it kind of made um going to the yard and getting ready a little bit easier instead of a little bit worrisome, so to speak.
0: What a team that is. Like I'm looking at it right now, 91 and 71. They lost you guys lost in the division series. And you had a you had one of the most, in my opinion, the most electric manager in baseball history, yeah. a guy by the name of Bobby Cox. Do you have any funny Bobby Cox stories, man? Because this guy was just had the shortest fuse. I love this guy.
1: I uh, I mean he's one of the best I've ever had. Um, he his little quirks from always wearing cleats. He was always wearing cleats. Um, you hear his little spikes coming down, and then you walk by, you look down the tunnel. So I would like literally. When I, I always walk through the field, when I get to the stadium on the road, obviously can't do it this season, but I would always walk through the field, um, just to see, get my eyes adjusted, just feel the, the stadium, take take it into, you know take it in. You don't know how long it's gonna last, so I would always walk through the field and I you know I get there probably about one o'clock at that time, at that point in my career and it was like all right, him, Eddie Perez, Terry Pendleton, they're all sitting in the dugout you know, having a cigar, just talking old school. So I'd walk by the dugout, say hi to them, go into the tunnel. I just listened to their stories. They'd say, um, just eavesdrop. No, no that's what I, I mean. We talk about all the time, man, how would it be nice to just sit there on the porch on the patio with that guy and just listen to him talk baseball to you? Well, that was my, that was my version of it. They just didn't know I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there was one day in, in, a, uh, we're in Florida at the old, uh, Dolphin stadium and he's, he has his, his notepad out, with the lineup and stuff like that on the towel. We're not scoring the first two innings. Next inning, you look, he's down at the end of the dugout with the catcher's glove on, just patting the glove. Um, next inning, he's squatting somewhere with his with his pad that he moved to the other end of the dugout. Like he was very, he was very like quirky about things, just trying to try and get everybody going. He was always young at heart. It was great. I was very.
0: Is he one of those coaches where you have like a level of respect, like if he kind of chews into you because he's done it, he's won championships, he's been around the league forever? Have you been on the receiving end of a Bobby Cox roasting or just like, holy shit, this guy just put me in his back pocket?
1: Um, I've witnessed him getting mad, but I, he, I was always in his good graces.
0: That's a see. That's something you put on your resume. Like Bobby Cox likes me. Like that's the kind of guy you just. That, he's the kind of guy you need vouching for you. What is the funniest kind of umpire interaction you've seen this guy had? Because he's had so many. Man, he's had so many interactions.
1: Um, I think it was when he got the record. Wow. I think It was wow. one eighty. We had a shirt made. Yeah, it was. It was. It was his. 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 I think. Somebody somebody said something after the game to him to to award him something. It was funny.
0: Do you feel like Bobby Cox was just different with chirping? Like we talk about guys that have elite level talent at getting mad at people, like guys that are so good at chirping, they're so witty. Was Bobby Cox a witty guy where he would come up with something and you'd be like, "Damn, he got his ass."
1: Yeah, he would stun you.
0: <laughs> he would study the ump.
1: Yeah, he no, he'd stun he'd stun the ump like he'd like. He'd lock him up with what he would say. Their last resort was to throw him out. It was their back, but to throw him out. It was it was impressive. It was fun to watch. I mean, it was fun hearing on the inside after the fact of the, what happened because I didn't I, would, I didn't have the, the balls to go up there and be like, "Hey, Bobby, what happened?" No, I <laughs> or or McCann or David Ross to go do that.
0: McCann, yeah, oh yeah, you played in McCann too. Is there a guy you've played with throughout your career where you're like? Not starstruck, but you see this guy walk around big league parks and everyone's eyes just stop and just stare at this guy. Who's a guy that you've played with like that?
1: Um, now I mean, everyone with the, everyone on the Cubs from 18 when we were there.
0: Oh, what a team! What a team!
1: Um, Chipper, hi, dang. Um, you're just like, oh, and then number 27 in Anaheim.
0: Oh, and who? What's his name? I don't know if I've ever heard of him. Mike Trout, maybe? Is that, yeah. is that the guy we're talking about?
1: That boy's a beauty.
0: He's the best. The best. And you're, so your opinion, you you're saying you, you think Mike Trout's the best baseball player to ever live? He's on his way. But yeah? He's, the best,
1: he's one of the best teammates I've ever came across.
0: Really? What, 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 what does he do that's so great? Because he kind of comes across to the media as a quiet, kind of shy guy. What is he like in the locker room?
1: He's there for, he, because he's there for baseball. Yeah, can't argue that.
0: Yeah, he I love it. Want,
1: it's not he. Didn't, he's given a gift that he's obviously running with, but at the same time, he didn't. He's not asking for the media attention. He's just asking to go out there and win games. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, if he's really yeah, he's that's just him. It's his prerogative. I mean, shit. Jordan was very private.
0: Yeah. No, true, man. I was, thinking, I was thinking about the other day, actually, and I, people get mad, right? The people get mad, like, why isn't Major League Baseball advertising Mike Trout? I just think Mike Trout wants to just be the best player ever and not have to worry about all this media attention where if he does something wrong or says something that rubs people the wrong way, he gets canceled in this cancel culture, right? Is that what you think about Mike Trout? He just wants to put his nose to the grindstone, hit 350, get MVPs, and just go home and relax, have a good time.
1: Talk about it after. Yeah, exactly, right? Talk about it after. Let me just go do my thing, and let me just – when it's off season, it's my time. Let me go be with my family.
0: That's, see, that, that, that's why I really like that guy, man. And, I mean, you can't force someone to want to be a part of the media. Like, I, I, although he's nasty, although he's the best ever, he's the kind of guy that's just mesmerizing to watch on the field, and that's good enough for me, man. I don't need exactly. him doing all this stuff.
1: Exactly, and why does it bother so many people about it? Like, you should be doing your own thing anyways. You shouldn't yeah. be worried about it. Except for when he's on the field Watch what he's doing on the field And that's it. that's all you should worry about
0: you're also, And you're also playing with a guy right now That launches baseballs for a living I believe every 12 at bats he averages a nuke Which is on level to be a Hall of Famer A guy by the name of Joey We're going to call him Joseph Gallo What is that guy like man That guy is scary In the batter's box
1: He's a beautiful individual too <laughs>
0: <laughs> very um, good looking
1: he's got up here is it's blossomed so much from between the ears that it kind of makes it makes it scary to see what he's going to become um, the, the confidence factor that kind of I mean anybody would have at a young age of coming up and hitting homers but not having the average it's like well I'm still hitting homers and putting up runs Swing runs, so he got over that um, average little thing that everybody was talking about. And just yeah. like that's the biggest thing I've seen with him is he's not letting the outside talk anymore affect him. It's just all right. Fuck it, I'm just gonna go play now. I'm tired of listening,
0: dude. Yeah, like, and he is something else, man. I mean, just watching his swing for me is like mesmerizing. And like I said, man, I'm not a big Texas Rangers guy. I'm a Blue Jays fan, but every once in a while, man, you just gotta tip your cap and say. This guy is going to be one of the best home run hitters ever, like I will ever see in my lifetime, and he's truly doing it, man. I mean, what's the most impressive thing that you've seen him do in the batter's box?
1: The way he can bang lefties, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. You don't most people wouldn't see that from a guy who hit what two years before last year, what one eighty? Yeah, two hundred four, I think it was. But still, put a foot all off lefties.
0: That's oh, wow! So you're,
1: and then you now you're just like, all right, now you're now you're throwing in the walks, now you're throwing in the hits, um, and the timing of them, you're just like, oh shit, this guy is the all star he was last year. What? Oh, yeah. a Better version of it this year.
0: Yeah, and let's go into your career here. I wanted to talk about just your earlier years with the blue jays man cuz like i said i remember you from the early days in the blue jays with those gross dis- like i didn't like those jerseys the black jerseys hand up i thought they were just disgusting i like the ones now what was your time in toronto like man because what i remember as a kid i remember i was just mesmerized by how smooth your like the way you threw a baseball was it was just it looks like it was just like a whale jumping out of the water just something just so fluid
1: um i had a blast Uh, My family loved it, loved the city. The fans were great. Um, Being indoors is great, not having to deal with the sun. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, I I had a blast there. Um, Both times I was there in 12 and 16. And it was one that, I mean, obviously the guys that I played with, but the manager, the pitching coach, the relationships I built from them, to the guys behind the scenes, the clubbies, the the video guy, the replay guy, you just go hand, the training staff who was there at the time. I still talk to you to this day. Um, you just those things that you that you build when it's a fun team and it's a fun organization. At the time, I mean, when when you're going through all that, that kind of makes it that much more easier to go. Twelve, I was just a lost cause. I was trying to figure out who I was again as a pitcher. Um, and I kind of invented myself as the reliever and the stuff repertoire I have now. I started it then, but it didn't click till a few years later in Oakland. Yeah. But no. just think that was what helped me there. And then just being able to go walk around, clear your mind, and not have to worry about walking through neighbor walking around a neighborhood with houses i could actually live in downtown and not live in a suburb yeah you know what i mean yeah for sure beautiful part um where we can just all right hey hang with them yesterday let's go walk around today
0: yeah, no, it's uh, it's a, it's a hidden gem in my opinion. And you played on comp- two completely different Blue Jays teams, man. I mean, you were yeah. in 2012. You guys struggled. It's not. A, I mean, it's not a joke. You guys weren't that good in 2012. And then you come on this team in 2016, man. What a team that was! Like, just talk about in your opinion the differences and maybe the attitudes and what it was like playing in front of a packed Rogers Center. You can't even hear yourself think when the Jays are that good in the in the Rogers Center. Just what was the differences like for you from twenty twelve to twenty sixteen? The
1: maturity of the guys that were still there. Um, that was the biggest thing. What it took to be a team, not an individual goal, individual thing. It was just and the guys they brought in, in six, before that to help that, you know, from Donaldson and you know, Smokey and all that stuff, that kinda helped. Um, you know, then you bring in Tulo and you got the young pictures that were coming up when I was there in twelve. they were all in you know a ball, yeah, yeah, it was kind of one of those things you just see those kids grow, and you're just like, man, it's amazing, you know, talking with sanchez that that at that time it's he called me in high school, um wondering how the draft was, and then we had to get to talk about it then, and I'm like, dude, you're an all star like it's weird how time flies, um things like that we you know just the conversations you just see were way different at that point in time than they were before. Cause there weren't any conversations before, obviously when you're losing, it's just like, all right, let's just serve me and get this day over with.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like it just, as, as a fan standpoint, and that Rogers center, man, when the Jays are good, it is scary to play there. I've heard from people. It's like, cause you have all the hockey fans that just say ruthless stuff to the opposing team. How cool was that to be on the, on, the, on the home side at the Rogers Center with 50-plus thousand fans just going bananas, throwing beer bottles from the 500 level? Like, what was that atmosphere like in 2016, man? Because I remember going to these games, and I was, like, mesmerized. This is what kind of made me want to do this kind of stuff, just to hear about what it's like to be on the field when the Jays are a wagon or any team's a wagon.
1: Just, it, it gives you that much more adrenaline um weird it's it's an ad- adrenaline high you can't you can't explain to anybody unless you're in, in the stadium or on the field in a uniform going through it um we talk about all me and my wife talk about all that you know obviously you only have so many bullets and you get to a certain point but it's like what are you gonna miss the most not running out there it's that adrenaline high that nothing will ever beat that um after i mean so it's that's i think kind of the going to be the hardest part of of that is feeling those highs are going to stick in your head so much more than any one game would you know what i mean so that's how much fans do actually play a part in this game
0: yeah, no, it, 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 you do have a point, man, because I was wondering just based off of this year and just watching the games and it's kind of been hard for me to get into the games unless you're watching a guy like Fernando Tatis or Bo Bichette or even Joey Gallo, Mike Trout. It's hard for fans to get into the games, right? Because there's no fans there. There's no electricity in the stadium. How hard is that for a guy, a kind of guy like you that, like you said, feeds off of that momentum? How weird is it to play in front of no fans? Like you're in low A ball or something.
1: Yeah, it does feel like an instructs game, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, no, if you can't get up, like we talked about it in the first part of the year when we first had our meetings in the bullpen, if you can't get up for a big league game, then you need to go. I don't want you on my team. Yeah. Um, the lights are on. It's not spring training anymore. This stuff counts. And if you can't get your, create your own adrenaline, then I don't want you on my team or on my staff. Um, so it does stink, but – there's still no reason why we can't get up for a big league ballgame. True. No,
0: damn, man. Like, what an answer. You just put my mind in a pretzel there. I'm like, oh, okay. Now that makes sense. Now this is why this guy's a longtime big leaguer. And you remember, we're talking about fans here, and I like to talk about the off-field stuff about fans chirping the players or just fans saying funny stuff to you. What's the funniest thing a fan has said to Jesse Chavez in an opposing park?
1: It's San Fran 2010. I remember it. Me and uh, it was me and Billy Wagner were warming up next to each other, and it was like, "All right, if we score more than if we score another one, you're in." I was like, "All right." So, this fan, we're in San Fran, and they were the bullpens were down the lines at the time, and this guy goes, "Hey, Chavez, as much as they're paying you, mix in a steak." <laughs> Billy mid throw stopped it and just started dying laughing. <laughs> Eddie Perez had his mouth over his hand over his mouth chuckling and you see his shoulders bouncing up and down. And I just stopped I'm like you guys like are you serious like you guys are really going to give him that much credit? It was funny but come on guys. And that was probably one of the funniest ones I've had in a long oh time.
0: Oh my god that's funny. <laughs> Jesus, man. I mean, I can't even believe the creativity on that. And I heard San Francisco fans are ruthless, dude. Like, is that true? Are they just ruthless people?
1: Yeah. It's not when you're doing good in there. When they even go to Oakland. When they would go to Oakland and get on you. It was it was pretty hectic over there.
0: Oh, man. yeah. I, I We had Edwin Jackson on, and Edwin Jackson said that. He said that uh, – I believe he said San Francisco fans are ruthless as, as well as the Blue Jays. But, um, yeah, Edwin Jackson's the kind of guy, like, I, I don't know if you cross paths with him, but Edwin Jackson's a kind of a journeyman in the baseball world, man, that, uh, we kind of, I think we have the rights to his retirement here. I think he said that he would announce, he would, he would maybe let me know a little bit earlier if he's retiring. So I was thinking about that for you. Do you think maybe we can get a little hunch when Jesse Chavez is leaving the major leagues? Maybe.
1: Ooh, it'll be random.
0: Oh, it'll be a random drop. Just like a random, a random announcement.
1: Yeah, it'll have to be. I'll have to wake up one morning and be like, "Hey, I can't do it anymore."
0: Nah, yeah.
1: The off season, it won't be. It won't, wouldn't be a season thing. It'd be an off season thing. If my program isn't going the way I like it, that it has like like it should, then I think that's time we tend to hang them up and give somebody else a chance.
0: Yeah, I, I, like I said, man, Just you got to milk it as much as you po- possibly can in the big leagues. You're living the dream, dude. I mean, have you had the opportunity as of right now or even throughout your whole career to kind of step back and say, damn, man, I can't believe I'm pitching in the major leagues right now? Like, when did you have that realization that you're a big leaguer?
1: Every day I tell myself that. Somebody asked me in the beginning, do I still get nervous? I say, oh, yeah, I still get butterflies and everything before I get the lump in the throat and everything before I get ready to pitch. Um, but it's certain things you understand and get as far as certain drills, um, certain leeways that I, you can get away with, um, from, you know, <laughs> not running if you don't want to on the field, because I did it before, or, um, for me, I don't play catch on day games before as a young kid, I kind of felt I had to, and now I'm just pre- It's that today's your day off, and you threw back to back days, and you know you're down. Why are you going to play catch? We don't have off days, anyways. So give yourself an off day. You want to play catch with the outfielder just to move your arm? That's fine. Do that during the game. But if you want to be able to pitch 70 games a year for 10 years, which is everybody's goal as a reliever, I mean, you're not going to do it if you throw the ball every single day the way you try and pitch every single day. It's not going to work. Oh, okay. things like that, I kind of have earned so to speak and i hate saying that because i never want i always want to keep earning things um but little things like that i've gotten been able to get away with the older i got
0: yeah i that happens a lot in hockey actually too i believe when like when people are doing bag skates or just suicides on the ice that the veterans are like i'm not doing this shit you know don't, don't count me in for this shit and speaking about veterans i this happens in hockey i've like When someone reaches a certain game milestone, the whole team has to come together and buy them a Rolex. Is that what happens in baseball, man? When someone reaches a certain amount of games played or just years in the league, do you guys get some sort of milestone from the team?
1: Um, Sometimes. Usually, uh, it's usually the guy that gets the milestone, buys the stuff for everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? That's such a weird, what a weird way to do it.
1: Yeah, uh, Frazier, our bullpen catcher, was talking about this the other night. He said, I had gotten traded in 18 already um, when Beltre got his 3,000th hit. I guess he, he had put a, a bottle of liquor in, front of, in everybody's locker that was personally signed. I was like, well, didn't get that one. He goes, oh, yeah, we got a bat too personally signed. Oh, didn't get that one. Wasn't here. <laughs> oh, yeah, There goes that hit moment in history. Um, no, but really the guy that, that hits the milestone buys something. Like, Pulos gave everybody a bat for his 500 home run? Um signed, you know, things like that. It's usually the player um that gets it. Sometimes the organization or another veteran from another team will probably send you something out. Um, but other than that, it's really nothing. Like I treated Lance to burgers and hot dogs last night at the house.
0: What a guy, dude. You're just living the dream, man. You're hanging out with Lance Lynn, having dinner with Lance Lynn. You're just living the dream, man. Good for you. I respect the hell out of that. What's Lance like? He seems like a beauty. He's beauty.
1: What you see on, the, what you get. Yep. Just the guy out there, just throwing the ball.
0: Damn, man. He's one of those guys that it looks like, from a fan standpoint, it looks like he just puts in. Like he just looks effortless. That's what I'm trying to say. He looks like he just effortless and just naturally carves, and he's just naturally the ace of the Texas Rangers. Is that what he's like? He just, it just everything he does is just not. He's just naturally good at.
1: Yeah. Damn. Yeah. He's, as you know, everybody think as big as he is. He's no, he's athletic as all can be. That's for sure.
0: You said there's a lot, of, a lot of memorabilia that gets passed out for the 1,000 games. I believe you're a memorabilia guy, right? You like to collect throughout your whole career. What's the coolest thing that you have?
1: Coolest thing I got? Yeah. Um, probably just the simple fact that Hank Aaron knew my name when I asked him for an autograph.
0: Holy shit.
1: What? What, what, what was this encounter like? Uh, it was spring training when I was with Atlanta. And he's in the dugout doing an interview and I ran inside as quick as I could. And I got a ball and a pen and he's still doing his interview and I'm standing behind him and he gets done. He goes, Hey Jesse, how are you doing? I was like, Hey, Mr. Aaron, how you doing? He goes, can I get an autograph? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, why don't you just come and get it? I goes, cause you were talking. He goes, so one of the coolest moments I could say I probably ever had of abilia signed. Dad, Rod Carew was a great one.
0: Rod Carew, too. Damn, man. I mean, that's insane. And and you mentioned you had kids, and I brought this up to I brought this up to Edwin Jackson because his kids are getting a little bit older. What mm. ha, do your kids realize that their dad's a big leaguer? That their dad's living the dream, pitching in front of thousands of people.
1: Yeah, but they don't acknowledge it anywhere. Really? So yeah, my kids are about as humble as they can get. It's it's amazing. It's a testament to them. Like my wife too. They don't. They don't tell anybody. They don't say anything. Like, it's pretty. It's pretty cool that they they get it. They enjoy it. They love being at the ballpark. They love it. But when once we leave the ballpark, it's over with. Really, dude? Like yeah, that? Well, wow! Yeah, it's it's incredible the way their mentalities are.
0: So you're t- so you're t- like, do they kind of do they use that as a resource for you? Like, do they are they into baseball or sports or whatever like that? kind of you, they they're not into baseball.
1: My my younger one, she does. The five year old, she does everything. Um, she'll teach herself everything she needs to know. Um, she wants to play sports. We just obviously with the two older ones, it's kind of hard. The older one, yeah. the older sixteen year old, she's a junior now. She plays tennis. Um, that's the middle one doesn't do anything. She's very smart. The middle one, she knows everything there is to know about <laughs> planets and shit. And it's like <laughs> um, the younger one. Most athletic one of them all. The older one, she's more mom like, obviously. Yeah. Um, The oldest, but um, yeah. So there's not really many, any other ones that are sporting other than the five year old and the tennis player, but they don't like, they don't use it as a platform at all
0: that's insane because like i said to edwin jackson if my dad was a big leaguer that would be the first thing i'd bring up i'd be like yeah my dad's a big leaguer like it would just be the biggest flex of all time but just it goes to show to you and your wife man i mean keeping them humble because people can kind of get away from that right like especially you see probably kids in the big leagues where they're kind of just a little bit i guess you could say cocky because where their dad came from or their dad's a big leaguer but it's kind of crazy man that your kids don't even kind of acknowledge it away from the field right
1: yeah, no, they don't. Um, the five-year-old every now and then, but other than that, she really doesn't doesn't say anything um, unless she's like unless she sees like fireworks. She's like, I want to go to the baseball field and see fireworks again or something like that. That's <laughs> but other than that, no. they don't they don't really we don't really acknowledge it. We don't really try to talk about it as much because at the end of the day, I'm Jesse, and they're my kids
0: yeah no, for sure. And, and and this is one thing that I, I had to bring up. like this is a thing that made me say, Jesse Chavez should never pay for a meal in Toronto again. It happened in 2016, and this was this was in like the the peak of the Blue Jays Rangers kind of rivalry. You beamed Prince Fielder, and how scared were you when you look at this guy staring you down from the batter's box? And it's one of the biggest guys in baseball. Scary as hell. What was running through your head when that happened?
1: Uh, don't don't hit him high. Yeah. Do it the right way. him that, dude, I just gave up a grand slam, bro. Last thing I want to do is this. I wasn't here the year before when it was going on in the playoffs. So why do I – I'm, I'm just stuck in the middle of it right now. Yeah. Um, so I I, I – I tried to do the most professional thing and that was get him low and, and stick up for a team that was on the front of my chest at the time. Even okay. though I wasn't even though the chest the team wasn't there the year before as a teammate, you regardless of the fact, I mean as long as I hit him low and did it in the right spot, I don't think there would have been any qualms and I hit him and I walked off. That was it. And I that knew was... and he as soon as he knew I did that. I, I really hope he, you know, understood my actions, not as a piece of shit that's on this team right now, of what's going on, but as a professional, like I had to do it and I walked off. It's not like I walked at you and threw my arms up or whatever. Like, why are you throwing me out? Like, no, it was just one of those things. Like, I really hope he took it as a professional thing and I didn't mean anything by it.
0: See that's the thing, man. That's why I, that's why I wanted to bring it up because, like like you said, you weren't on the team before. You know, it's not like you had a dog in the fight with the with the rivalry. You were obviously on the Blue Jays. It was kind of a thing where it's like, listen, I'm putting a spot here where I have to do this to stand up for my team. It's nothing against the Rangers, nothing against Prince Fielder. I'm just doing my job here, doing what my manager's asking me, doing what the team is told is told me to do. And obviously, I'm just a middleman here and was in your head? Were you were you kind of contemplating even doing it, or were you just like, "I have to do this for the team"? I guess.
1: Got to do it. If I didn't do it, it kind of kind of puts you in a bad spot, anyways. If I do or don't do it, I was in a I was in a catch twenty two situation where it was bad and it was it was a bad way and a in a good way. Like there was no no way to positively come out situation looked at in a good way. Then walking out of there hoping that you know the guys on the other side you know understood I wasn't a part of it to begin with
0: yeah no that, that, that that's definitely a good way to look at it even just kind of clear the air with that kind of stuff man because the media would like to portray that kind of stuff as you did it because you hate the Texas Rangers or anything like that man and just seeing you walking off just from my perspective Seeing you walk off the mound was such baller shit, though. Like you got him and look, looking on it from the camera, you hit a guy in the leg and you just say, "Take, i um, take the ball, throw me out of this game." It was, it was kind of badass, low key. You kind of thought about that, didn't you? You were like, I kind of look cool right now.
1: Well, yeah, considering I walked off before he even ejected me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so baller, man. That is so alleged. Like I said, you should never pay for a drink in Toronto again. And that rivalry was what made me love the Blue Jays so much more, man. Like, being a guy that was in that dugout, did the Blue Jays actually, like, deep in their roots, hate the Texas Rangers as much as it looked like with Bautista and those kind of guys? Or was it just I, – I don't even know what a word to replace that is, but was it, like, seriously hate? I think it was just
1: the moment. I mean, if it's hate, there wouldn't have been rumors of us trying to sign Bautista the following year. Yeah, or a year later um, in eighteen. So I don't, I don't really think it was hate. I just think it was the moment that got, that turned it into something. Yeah, you know, okay, guys, throw their hands up, yell, screaming into their glove when they punch somebody out. Guy hits a homer in a big situation and flips his bat. Far one, but so what? It's not the first time that it's happened before. Look at all the numerous home. Look, I mean Reggie Jackson would fling that bat after he hit a homer. Yeah. So like, I just to me it it, to me it's like act like you've done it before. You hit it, you hit it. If you want to look at it, if it's a fucking bomb in a tank, watch for a couple (laughs) seconds. Don't give a shit. Don't like act like you've done it before. And if you strike somebody out if it's a bases loaded situation that you just came in from the bullpen or you're a starter and you get out of it and you want to scream like, fuck yeah. Like as a hitter in the box, you should not look at that guy any differently than you getting a home run off anybody else and watching it. Yeah. And thinking it, what I mean, that's his dignity. Like that, that's the pitcher's emotion. Like let it fucking be, you know what I mean? If, if he wants to do that, but if you're doing it in 10 pitches every single time in a nine to one ball game, when you're up, like, that's just tired. Yeah. But if it's a situation where it warrants it, by all means fucking celebrate. I don't give a shit. You put the team on your back for that one moment right there.
0: And and that's, I'm honestly fired up you brought that up because obviously obviously, the Blue Jays, the Bautista bat flip. So you, you, you're you a guy that's like, I'm all for that, man. Playoffs, moment, you take the lead with that home run. Flip the bat, dude. Like, show show that you're fired up. You just put your team ahead. So you're kind of on that side of the fence where it's, if it's a big moment, do it. If if it's like a four-one game, you hit a ball to make it four-two. Don't don't be an idiot. Don't flip the bat. Is that is that where you're kind of coming from?
1: Yeah. If it, if it tie, go ahead. Bring you within one to keep the momentum going in the dugout. Where because there's been a lot. I mean, it sucks when there's you score three and you're down four, and then all of a sudden that last guy that guy hits a homer and then it's like all right with nobody out. Then it's like one two three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then you're still yeah. down one. Like, fuck, we had it going and then all of a sudden we scored and then it's like nobody's on base
0: anymore. So we made him comfortable again. Well, how, why? Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, you're right, man. And who's one guy that you kind of think in Major League Baseball is like kind of making the game easier to market or a guy that's like you, that you kind of look across the dugout or even in your dugout where you're like, the game is in good hands with this guy being a star in the game, besides Mike Trout, obviously, because we, we just talked about him. Lindor. Lindor
1: yeah he's from what I hear he's one of the best um, teammates always smiling always in a good mood and when it's not when you're not doing your job I mean that's what a veteran does pull you aside and tell you what's up
0: okay no, Lindor seems like – I mean, just first of all, like I said with Joey Gallo, Lindor is just one of the best-looking guys in baseball. I mean, this guy's smile is just – the girls in Cleveland aren't safe with this guy walking around. Just, just an absolute man missile, as I say. And, and let's talk about – actually, I want to bring that up. Who's one guy throughout your major league career that has been – let's just say when he's in the lineup, the female attendance rises a little bit. He's a guy that just – all the girls in the city love him. Who's one of the ladies' men – that you've ever played with?
1: I don't know, because posters were still a thing at the time, so it had to have been Chipper. Wow. I mean, Yeah, everybody knows him in the South, so it's, I mean, everybody's
0: going to be there tuned in for him, his at-bats. If you could have one start, one, or one appearance in your whole life where you want to, like, let's just say you want this on your grave, you want to talk about this forever. What's that one appearance you've had in your career where you're like, this is the best I've ever felt, the best I've ever done? I would
1: say that it never got me sent down again. Uh, 2013 with Oakland when I went five and two-thirds out of the pen. We went eight innings. Um, I just – that one would probably – was my coming out party again, so to speak, uh, with my new repertoire. Um, my new mentality, my new just approach, just how I went about the game. I'd say that one, that one game in in eight, in uh, sorry, thirteen.
0: Really? So yeah, I mean, it's crazy if you look at back on your major league career, man. It's like if I'm, a guy that's played in the majors as long as you, you have to kind of reinvent yourself throughout your whole career, right? I mean, because stuff that played. 12 years ago, isn't going to play like six years, seven years later, right? What's the one thing that you've kind of stayed consistent on? Is it mindset? Is it your pregame preparation? What is it?
1: Well, you just nailed it. Um, Mindset and pregame preparation has never changed, regardless of the time we're in right now with this whole analytical thing. Um, As long as my preparation and my mentality is in – in my my own chi, my own zen, I don't really pay attention to that stuff because we don't know what that guy was working on during BP. So I can't really take that report into consideration until I see that guy swing the bat. And my ninety-one or ninety-two is different than that guy's ninety-one or ninety-two that you were showing me in a video. Um, but really, I don't. That's kind of been the staple for me that hasn't changed and it won't which I'm trying to get these younger kids to believe in um, trust your fastball because these guys don't trust it enough themselves that are giving you the report. You're the one that is going out there and getting the results. Um, if you go out there with no trust, you're not going to trust yourself. and You're not going to have any results. You'll be sent back down. And right now you can't go back down and come back up because we don't have any minor leagues.
0: <laughs> yeah, the taxi squad. And the taxi squad to me, just the name is one of the funniest things of all time because it gives me the kind of imagination that a guy's just getting sent out of the stage. He's waiting in a taxi on timeout until he gets back in the game. Like that's what the taxi squad is for me right now. And really? how weird, how weird is it like how weird is it right now for you where it's like, it's completely different than last year. No fans, 60-game season. How weird has this season kind of been like for you so far?
1: The road has been the biggest difference. Yeah. Um, it hasn't. Nothing's changed at home. I mean, yeah, we got to wear a mask around the field, but that sucks. That's okay, whatever. Um, you still breathe through it. Um, it really, honestly, things have not changed at home on, on that front. On the road, it's different. We got to do saliva testing in the hotel every day. Uh, we have our meetings at the hotel, not the field, so that kind of takes out an hour of sleep. Um, so less beers the night before kind of stinks. Um, but the road, I mean, obviously not being able to go anywhere, not being not being able to walk now, not being able to walk. Thanks, uh, St. Louis. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the road is the biggest challenge because we just basically cooped up in a dorm for – I mean, shit, last week we were there for seven and a half days with an off day in between in Oakland and the Westin. So, it was – that's the only thing that sucks is the road.
0: Dude, it's just like for me, and obviously I don't play – I don't understand it, but I just don't get why some big leaguers – think it's appropriate to just go to the casino go to the like go out and just do stupid shit during this COVID stuff like it doesn't affect them and one thing someone told me this quote right this this time period really shows you who genuinely cares about the team and genuinely cares about baseball and getting their job done and who doesn't right is is, is that what you've kind of learned about this yeah
1: I just think these guys are the guys that are doing that are just here for a paycheck yeah that ain't right because you're, you're not just it's – not, it's not about you at that point. Like, put your intuitions aside. It's the guys that you expose yourself in the clubhouse who have to go home and expose themselves to their loved ones, who then have to expose themselves to others. So it's, it's, a, it's a tripling effect of why things aren't getting contained because of stupid-ass people like that.
0: Oh, They'll dude. Want to, <sighs> Dude, it's just you ha- you you're hitting the nail right on the head, man, especially and like I said, I said this on an earlier podcast. The way we're handling in Canada, man, we're buzzing around here. I mean, we're almost have everything fully opened up. We're below 100 cases a day in my province, Ontario. We're just doing it the right way. And that's the appropriate way to do it because I feel like majority of us are genuinely saying, "Why do I have to care about doing stuff to pleasure myself and put everyone else at risk by just being a moron? Why do I have to go to the casino?" for two hours, bring something back and get my grandmother sick or get someone sick and just be a moron? Why don't I wait the next couple months until it's appropriate and healthy to do that? And have you – what has the meetings been like in the Texas Rangers? Are are guys kind of stepping up and saying, just don't be idiots. Like, just do what you have to do here. We want to make the playoffs. We want to play baseball, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, why did – we did all that work for what? Yeah. All the work of not getting sick be getting sick. So now all of a sudden we get to the season and now you want to shit away. That whole work we did is nothing now. And that was basically telling us you probably weren't even doing it to begin with during that time. You were just getting lucky. Yeah. So I, it my we've had this discussion in the clubhouse. I just think if you, if you're, if you test positive and games have to get canceled, your team that got the games canceled. And if the other team's testing negative, it should be a forfeit. It should be a loss. Yeah. Wow. Why? Why should? Why should the Cubs have to postpone their momentum? Because I think Lewis keeps testing positive. That should be three losses right there for him. Plain and simple. You, you guys. Know what? Accountability. Yeah. It, it's why? Why is a team that's on a roll going to suffer because you're being an idiot? That makes no sense. Now it's time to take accountability. Oh well, these teams are still going to get their TV revenue because of. They're playing these games later on. No, fuck that. Take it away from them and give them a loss.
0: Jesse Chavez for Kamish, man. I love that, actually. You're true. You're definitely right on that because if you even look at it, right, I mean, a team like you said, the Cubs, who have been buzzing, now, they're, now they can't play. Now they're, now they're postponed and all that kind of stuff, and it, it just sucks to see. It. And you're right. They should, they should take the losses for just guys on the Cardinals being idiots because then, like, you, like I said earlier, it holds players accountable. If 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 John Jay or someone wants to go, out, obviously I'm not saying he did it, but if someone on the Cardinals wants to go go to the casino or just go to the strip club or the, or a club or whatever and catch it and potentially infect their teammates, they should lose, and that, that holds people accountable, right?
1: Yep. And if it's apparently we're gonna go by a win percentage for the yeah. playoffs, yeah. Why they have less games? Why do they get a? We're gonna hold off the season and the playoffs so they can make up those games later on. Well, then if they don't make it up and they have a better winning percentage because they didn't play those games, now they're going to fuck somebody that did everything the right way because those extra three games makes no sense.
0: Looking at it from that standpoint, man, especially from a player like you, man, I mean, a guy that's been in the league for so long and – You've been like your teams have been in the playoffs. You've been close to world series this year. You got a chance with more teams in the playoffs. If the Rangers don't make it to the playoffs because of a a moron AL team that decided, let's, let's go to the bar. Let's go to the club and be idiots. And now Jesse Chavez, like you said, you don't know how many years you have left. Can't make the playoffs because of this stupid win percentage thing. Like how does that add up? Why are you rewarding people for being morons? Right. It just doesn't make sense to yeah. me, man. You hit the nail right on the head there, and I just wanted to bring that up. And the next thing that I want to talk about is um, the jerseys for you guys, man. I, I kind of like them, dude. What are, you, what are your thoughts on those baby blue Texas Rangers jerseys? Um,
1: I don't know. I, I'm more traditional. Just give me a white and a gray jersey or an alternate top. Yeah. Um, I just – having to get cleats and all this stuff to match all this shit kind of sucks. <laughs> Time-consuming, and I don't want to do
0: yeah. that. Yeah. I want to
1: go to app. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I I I don't mind him. It's it's cool. It gives the fans something different to buy in the in the clubhouse or in the team shop and stuff like that. Um but they're whatever, it doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, okay. And I and I, I'm doing this. This is like my new podcast room here. I'm getting jerseys on the wall. I already got Jesse Winker, our boy, and our boy Amir Garrett. What jersey should I get from Jesse Chavez? Like, what Jesse Chavez jersey do you want me to have on this wall? What team are you thinking,
1: dude? I don't know. I'll go into my thing when I get home, and I'll get you. I'll send you one.
0: Oh, I was gonna say, man. Like I said, like I, I was thinking about putting up a little jerseys of the guys I've had on the pod. And like I said, I was gonna ask Edwin Jackson because he's played for seventeen teams. And there's a prospect in your system that we've had on this podcast. I kind of want to. I wanted to get what you, what your thought process process is on him. Sam Huff, have you got a chance to look at him or watch him hit? He got a Futures game MVP last year. Is that good? Yeah. You tell me. Yeah. So what, what is that kid like, man? He's great.
1: He's great. Um, we have conversation. Well, during uh, spring training 2.0, we had conversations all the time. Me and him talk a lot because he, he caught my bullpens and caught a lot of my live VPs and stuff. So um, we had a lot of good conversations with that kid. He's, he's great. He's going to be really, really good. He's going to be really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, Um, yes. Stay healthy behind that dish. Those knees stay healthy and that arm stays healthy. He can have – he can go down as one of the best probably in history.
0: You think so, huh? I mean, I was watching his videos, man, and he's just such – and like I said, we had him on the podcast. He's such a humble kid. Like, you would never think that this guy got – I, to be honest, man, he just kind of brought up. He's like, yeah, so I got Futures MVP. I hit a home run. Just like, just casually brought it up. Like, it's not one of the biggest achievements <laughs> at that age. Right. I mean, it, is that what you, is, is he like a quiet guy around the clubhouse? Like, what is this kid like, man? Cause he was so humble on this podcast. Oh, he's humble. He's
1: humble. He's outgoing. He's witty. He's smart. Um, he's a catcher. it's <laughs> great. Um, it's, he's a humble dude, man. It's great. It's it's incredible how humble he is and what he wants to accomplish in this game. From what from talks, it's it's great. He's on the right path, that's for sure.
0: The Rangers fans definitely have a good guy. That's I want to say underrated, man. I mean, he's not even talked about that much, like an MLB pipeline or anything like that, which is insane, right? I mean, I, I have no yeah. idea why he's not talked about, but. It's just it, – it's crazy to see, man. I mean, who, who, other, like, who else do you think on the Rangers is kind of underrated, like on the team right now?
1: Um, I think uh, if he stops getting the wheel spinning a little bit too much and kind of, you know, hits the brakes a little bit. Yeah. It's special individuals, Connor uh, Falefa.
0: Connor Falefa. What a name. What a name, dude. That's a big league name. That's a big league name.
1: Yeah, we call it uh, Izzy. Izzy. He can be – he can be – who could he be? He could be like a Howie Kendrick.
0: Wow, what a comparison. Howie Kendrick. He
1: can, he can move around, um, understand that he can move around because, I mean, Howie was solidified at second base for a long time until he started having to move around to third, left, and yeah. right. At First, so, um, and I think that kind of took him a little bit understanding too to get that bat moving. If he's going to be in different positions, because you know we all run through ruts a little bit in our career. But I think Izzy can be he can he can be on Howie's path um, with the success and the longevity that he's had. If uh, those wheels between the ears just slow down just a bit, yeah, just a hair, not yeah. much, not much. I want him at like I want him at eighty nine, not ninety. <laughs> You know what I mean? Not much.
0: Yeah, I, I got two more questions, all right? Because I know you probably got to get to the field soon. This is the second last. This is the second last question I have. It's a guy that kind of, in my opinion, came onto the scene crazy fast, and it's the kind of guy that I'm trying to get. I just want to hear what his stories is like. I kind of want to get him on the podcast. Ricky Romero, man, what was that guy like in Toronto? He was a rock star, wasn't he? He was just a rock star around here. Um,
1: from what I heard, um. I mean we just hung out we we would hang out on the road. I would just go home apart go to field apartment after the games. Um I was new I didn't know really where to go. Um yeah. at the time. But it was he's great dude. He came over. He does his po- Ricky Rose podcast. Yeah. Came over not this off season, two off season before And um we just we got to talk and catch up again and it's great. I mean us being from from the LA area growing up in the same, you know, not neighborhood, but, you know, location, you know, being Mexican, a um, lot of communications we had, you know, that kind of helped on the road a little bit, make it, making the road a little bit easier for me because I got, you know, I was on my like, fourth or fifteen by that point. Um, so he kind of made it a little bit comforting knowing I had a guy from back home that I could talk to and, and just bring up little things of, lingo and stuff like that of how we talk back home and little conversations like that made it a little bit more easier for me to get it easier for me to adapt
0: yeah to. yeah yeah no yeah he, he was a rock star around here man i mean he came out in the scene so fast and this is the last question i have because like i said man we like to talk about the off-field stuff here and this is something that i usually we usually have the minor leaguers talk about what is your Funniest minor league story Because you played in the minors Like I said A pretty good amount of time ago When it was probably You were on the semi-pro bus With Jackie Moon in the front Just the greasy, disgusting buses What's your funniest Minor league story, man? Let, let's end this with a bang here
1: Oh, man um, There was one night This was AAA Obviously, social media wasn't there So it was good um, We Getaway. It's getaway night. We're leaving. We're in Indianapolis. We're leaving the next day. And I'm like, fuck it. Talk about boys. <laughs> cool. no families here. Your family's not here. Cool. Let's go out. All right. We went across the street to, from our apartment building, there was a little bar and me and my roommate would go there every night, just go hang out and we'd just walk. because It's right there. We had 14 guys trying to get ready for the for the, for the bus to go to the airport from the field in our two bedroom apartment. And I'm talking, I've never seen everybody, anybody look like death. (laughs) It was impressive. Like I'm sitting, like, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I'm used to it. This is normal. I'm like, whatever. Like I'm just watching. They got drool coming out of their mouth asleep in the fucking terminal there was points you'd see like three or four guys beeline it to the bathroom. And then you, I'm just walking by to hear them. And then there, you just hear them calling Ralph <laughs> and it's like, Oh my, I'm like, you, I was like, they don't make them like they used to, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that's probably one of the funniest ones that I could think of off hand. Um, <laughs> that is, I mean, cause it, it was, it was an all-nighter.
0: Oh, got after it. You just got after yeah. it, man.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, oh yeah, I think that day we, uh, two of us went and got tattoos too.
0: Bl- drunk tattoos? I- do you have, do you ha- where is it? Where's your drunk tattoo? That's when I got my name on my back.
1: And this guy, uh, TJ Beam got his son on his arm.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Walk, <laughs> I'll walk up and all you hear is, <laughs> I'm like, they're like, what's going on? I was like, I just got a trash bag on my back. Like, what did you do? <laughs> I got a tattoo. Don't talk about it.
0: Dude, that's electric, man. That's I mean, that is incredible. It's just the guys don't get after it anymore, man, and the minors. I mean, it's just, you can't. You phones, can't, right? Can't phones.
1: Yeah. Can't. Yeah.
0: Damn, man, you're right. I mean, you can't you can't really go after it cuz then you'll see like Rangers top prospect Sam Huff drinking after game or something like that, right? I mean, you just can't do it nowadays, right? Can't do it. Man, I wish I was alive for those days because I'd love to get after it and just see the major leaguers get after it, smoke cigars. And you saw that in the Jordan documentary, right? I mean, yeah. Michael Jordan is just getting after it after a playoff game. You just love to see those kind of things, man. Bring back T9 texting. That's <laughs> no- <laughs> yeah, man. Well, anyways, though, bro, Um, like I said, I, usually, I sometimes say this in the podcast. Sometimes – I usually get starstruck. Uh, We've had a pretty good amount of big leaguers, but every once in a while I get starstruck with a guy that's been through it, that's been grinding in the majors. A guy that I honestly, man, whenever you come to Toronto next, man, we got to grab a beer or something on me. I I mean, I'll I'll soak it. I'll I'll cover the tab, man. I'd love to have it. It's a longtime big leaguer, current pitcher for the Texas Rangers, a guy that – it's just a common man that just happens to be nasty at baseball and be a longtime big leaguer. It's my boy Jesse Chavez, man. I really appreciate you doing this, and like I said, we got to get a beer sometime.
1: Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you for having me, man. It's been fun, man. For sure, is. we'll get – I just got to get a phone call this offseason.
0: There it is. <laughs> and for sure, man, I'll shoot, I'll shoot you my number, and we're going to have a Jesse Chavez jersey right behind me on the wall. It's going to be retired. It's going to be a retired number in this household. No one's going to ever be able to wear that number in this household. No! Okay, it's another edition of Fade Me, Get Rich, Episode 4. Before we get into it, let's talk about the last episode we just dropped with Jesse Chavez. What an episode. Just two baseball guys going at it. If you haven't listened to it yet, you're just listening to this Fade Me, Get Rich segment on Twitter, give your head a shake. Listen to the episode, show some love, show some support. Besides the fact, what a week last week. I mean, 0-3, you just love to see it. If you faded me, you're rich. That's why we started this segment here, because I'm the worst gambler on the planet. Let's go into the picks. So today, Thursday, we're going to be riding with our guy, former guest of the show, front of the show, Tyler Glass. Now he kind of struggled last month. He kind of struggled last start, but it's all right. That's baseball. That's why I hit 186 in junior college. I mean, it's a hard sport. Okay, so let's ride with the Rays run line over the Red Sox. Tyler Glass now is going to bounce back. All right, that's my approval on that. The next pick: Nationals over Mets. No idea why I picked this. Just take it. Plain and simple. I have literally no idea. So let's go into the Friday slate. The Friday slate. I'm riding with the Brewers' money line over the Cubs. The Cubs Cubs have to slow down sooner and later, right? That's just my logic. Just keep on fading the Cubs until they actually lose. And the next pick, Angels over the Dodgers. I mean, Mike Trout. Talk about dad strength. Is dad strength the PED? Something to look into. Besides the fact, Angels over Dodgers, Mike Trout. Expect him to go off against Walker Bueller. Let's ride. Let's have a good weekend, everyone. Have a couple drinks on me. Officially unofficial to the